Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host, Father Anthony, with my co-host back in the saddle, Father Peter Dreesen. It is good to be back. I've, I've been I've been gone. I've been absentee, but I'm I'm back and I'm ready to just jump right in with we what you guys are up you. to. We're missing, we're missing Anthony as well. Yeah, um, definitely uh, for he's sure. Helping us up. Pray for him. He has adopted a child. Amen. Uh, and so he is on paternity leave right now. So Praise be to God. So excited Mazza for them, Lucia. Mm. Uh, Lucia, um, their their little daughter, yeah. uh, for he and Sarah. We are going through, if you don't know, a book called Sexual Identity, The Harmony of Philosophy, Science, and Revelation, edited by John Finley. Um, and, and so if you haven't been with us, please look at the last, uh, listen to the last three podcasts, mm-hmm. introducing this book, and then going through some philosophical factors and some biological factors about what it means to be male and female. We're in the middle of a crisis in our culture yeah. as to what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. Yeah. And there's this separation that's happening between man and male and woman and female. Mm-hmm. And the book is going through all these different aspects to kind of talk about, well, what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? And how, what does it mean to be man? What does it mean to be woman? How man and male are directly connected and woman and female are directly connected. Yeah. Um, again, I've said this the past two podcasts. I'm going to say it again. Um, we're doing this to help because truth is always help. We always speak the truth in love, but we do want to care for those who are struggling. Um, and so this is not to say, Hey, if, if you're struggling, get over it. Mm-hmm. This is to say, hey, if you're struggling, we want to speak some truth. Mm-hmm. We want to speak, you know, about these different aspects to get into understanding what it means to be male, what it means to be female, what it means to be man, what it means to be woman. And and we're going to get into some pastoral stuff as well. We're going to get through this, these different aspects and then talk a little bit about pastorally. How do we care for those who are struggling? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Actually, this is actually getting into the, this is starting off a good good transition for myself. We're on chapter three, the, the psychology of sexual difference yeah. uh, by Dr. Andrew Stordergren. And uh, and it's just was a much, much different chapter than I anticipated. Yeah, you said that. What well, I'm curious what you mean by what were you expecting and, and then what is what what is what does he do in the chapter? Exactly. I was thinking I, mean, I talk about psychology of sexual difference going into if I think I'm a man who thinks I'm a woman, okay. what's going on in my brain? Yeah. Like what's going on and yeah. what am I like but this is much more about how male brain and female brain are different. Yeah. How you can point like we're different as male and female because we're different in the area of the brain. Gotcha. Which was fascinating. Yeah. But just not what I was anticipating. <laughs> and so I'm thinking about like, man, I'm really gonna understand like if I'm a man, someone who suffers from gender dysphoria, like what's going what's on? Going, and he gets a little bit into he that. He does. So mm-hmm. it's not. But that was mm-hmm. not the main thrust of right. the chapter. Right. But I want to start us off right at the very beginning of this chapter. Let's do it with uh, Saint John Paul II. Great place um, to start. Yeah, a great great place to start here. Um, he's he, maleness and femaleness on page 100 are not merely physical characteristics, but affect the person all the way to his or her core. John Paul II speaks of sexuality, that is, that is being male or female, as constitutive of the person and not merely an attribute of the person. Mm-hmm. He, go, they, he goes on to quote the Congregation of the Doctors of the Faith, which basically speaks, sexual characteris- sexuality characterizes man and woman not only on a physical level, but also on the psychological and spiritual, making its mark on each of their expressions. It cannot be reduced to pure and insignificant biological facts, but rather is a fundamental component of personality, one of, the mo- one of its modes of beings and expressing of expressing of living human love. Yeah. Um, okay, I did a lot of quotes there, but, but all that basically expressing... Being male and being female is a part. It's not just a 
the biological fact. We talked about that last time, mm -hmm. um, the biology of it. But that's not it. You can't just reduce, even though in biology it's proven that male is male and female is female yeah. and they're different. Yet, we're, we're you know, St. John Paul II, get into the personalism. Yeah. You're a person and that person is a part of every aspect of your life. And so your spirituality, your sexuality, your psychology, these are all affected by the fact that you are male yeah. or you are female. Yeah. I liked how it set it up where that that there's one single human nature. Um, so every human, every human person shares the same nature. But then there are two ways in which that nature is expressed through 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 maleness or femaleness. Um, and that is just fundamental. It's not it's not something that you can just kind of take away or change, but it is um, part of how that human nature is expressed in, in you as a man or you as a woman. And so because we share the same nature, there's going to be a lot of similarities between men and women because we're human and we share the same human nature. But, but how that human nature gets lived out and expressed and how we experience the world is always going to be through our maleness or through our femaleness. And some of these differences are very subtle. Mm -hmm. mentions that mm -hmm. as well. And yeah. I we think we know that. There's yeah. a lot of subtle differences between yeah. men and women. Um, but these differences are important. And to understand the psychology, understanding the brain yeah. and how that's affecting what we're doing is really going to help to understand why it is that, you know, why these subtle differences exist and why they are important. Yeah, that's yeah, really, really great. Fascinating. I, I love one quote that, that he gives from Mark McCarthy as well. He says, one does indeed have to become what one is. Mm. And so must become a woman or a man. Mm -hmm. Maleness and femaleness are both something that we are and something that we have to become. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really fascinating to think about that that you're male when you're born mm -hmm. or you're female when you're born, but um, you have to become a man. Mm -hmm. You have to become what it means to be, to live out that masculinity, yeah. to become a woman, live out that femininity, and that's what's so beautiful. And unfortunately, isn't happening um, today. Like like uh, because society is not saying. You know, oh, live out, become yeah. a man, become become whatever you want, and that actually it's hurting our kids instead of helping yeah. our kids. No, for sure. I think like every every like organic biological creature, you know, has to become what it is. Um, but we're really the only creature that can like actively participate in becoming what we are. You know, like a an acorn just becomes uh, an oak tree. But it doesn't choose to do that. It's just the, the, those biological processes, those, or, what, those just happen. Or like with a, a dog or a fox, they don't choose. But we can choose um, uh, to become more of a man, more of a woman. Um, and so I think that that's what makes us different in all of this. And complementarity is yes. so beautiful. Yeah. And, and we'll get to yeah. how important and why it's society needs it. Mm -hmm. It needs you as male to become <laughs> a man or you as female to become yeah. a woman. Yeah. And all that, but but he does make one final point in the introduction about how um, there's the effects of sin. And so- Yes, we, so important. Yeah, we, 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 we can say, well, here's how things ought to be, mm -hmm. um, but we can't really understand it because God's design and then what we did because of sin and sin has entered into the world. And we just have to recognize that though we're going to talk through a lot of the psychology and what's designed and who we are, um, that there are people out there who are like, what does it mean to be a male? What does it mean mm -hmm. to be a woman? And sin has affected our understanding of what it means to be a man and what it's to be a woman. And we're living in the ill effects of sin. Yeah. I've, I've, 
I've never really heard that talked about like in, in regards to like psychology, but I found it to be just such a, an honest and, and humble starting point that like this particular science that studies the psychology of a human person, um, whatever its findings are, um, has to also be understood in light of the fact that like, well, we, we're studying a, a man and woman, not as they are meant to be, but how they're, 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 they're living it out in, in, in their brokenness. And so, um, that just has to be taken into account. I just thought that was just really, really insightful, very, very humble, and just a good way to kind of like, um, just kind of bracket or, or just keep us in a, in a safe place as we examine all these findings. And so he gets into section one, which is the body and the brain at the beginning mm-hmm. of life. This uh, touches a lot on the, what we talked about last podcast, last chapter, biology, and how like every cell in the male brain is in some degree fundamentally different than every cell yeah. in the female brain. Yeah. And with, it, it, for explanation, go to the last chapter, the last podcast mm-hmm. to understand the biology of this, but how it affects. And, and one interesting result was he said that there, over, there was a research of adults and they found over 6,000 genes common to both sexes that showed different expressions in male and female. Yeah. So even if you have the same gene, yeah. it manifests differently based upon whether you're XX or XY. Yeah. And they're just that's just in the brain. Yes. Which is really fascinating. Yeah. Exact same gene, mm-hmm. but depending on how it expresses itself, yeah. is, is, is even your biology knows whether you're male or you're female, mm-hmm. XX or XY, and it, it, it acts accordingly. Yes. Um, he goes through and just talks about um, and from the very beginning, you know, there's there's quite a different different a lot number of differences in how babies think, how babies act. Um, that there's greater vulnerability. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Like the X, you're as a male because you're X Y in an XX environment mm-hmm. in your mother's womb, and it's more of a hostile environment. Yes, which affects how men are mm-hmm. versus. Girls, female XX in an XX environment, it's actually more safe and comfortable, mm-hmm. and there's not as much adversity. I didn't realize this. There are more Im, uh, what is it, embryos that are male than female, but they don't actually survive. So there's yes. more girls born than yeah. boys born, but just because not as many men survive because it's so it's so yeah. difficult to yeah. get out of the womb for a male. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really fascinating just to recognize that like. Um, that it is, it is, it is particularly vulnerable for boys during this time, and it, that there's whatever hardships, whatever difficulties that 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 creates in, in a person during these really intensely formative moments, you know, and how that's going to affect their psychology later on. And then he goes on to later say that you know the puberty seems to be much more difficult. Um, that that time of development is much more harder, more difficult for the female than it is for the male. Yeah. Um, yep. So there's these different phases in which it's harder for one sex or the other, and that of course is going to affect your psychology. But also he talks about, and I'm pointing forward, but that affects how you are mother and how you are father, mm-hmm. which is really important. In yes. Kind of the focus of, of where yep. it's going. And then uh, this the next section he talked about the sex differences emerging in childhood, really about the childhood of children. Mm-hmm. And in from the very beginning, newborn girls show preferences for looking at human faces, or newborn boys show a preference for looking at mechanical objects. And really goes through and focuses in on this, how women from the very beginning are looking for relationship, yeah. personalization. Men are looking for location, motion, yeah. right? They're, they're from the very beginning, they, there's this desire to be engineers, et cetera, yeah. where for girls, there's desire for relationship. This is anecdotal, and I'm sure every parent can attest to this in some way, shape, or form, but I remember sitting on my parents' couch watching my nephew, who was very, very little, 
just play with cars. And he was moving the car slow, so slowly across the wooden floor and was just watching the wheels turn. And I was just so fascinated by his fascination with like watching this car move. And then to kind of hear like the, the, the scientific psychological studies that have been done that, that this is just boys' brains just gravitate towards that. Uh, yeah. I just found that really interesting. I'm going to fast forward, but one thing he says is actually – Girls and females tend to be smarter than men, um, <laughs> which sure. is, I mean, no surprise yeah. from this end of the microphone. Yeah. But yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like men tend to turn to engineering, mm-hmm. etc. Even though, um, you know, though, though there's times slightly better in math, but in general, it's kind of negligible. Mm-hmm. But men just have more of a fascination yes. with this, these things. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, men are engineers because they're smarter. It's like, no, they're actually just more fascinated by the mechanics of mm-hmm. things, where women are, tend to be teachers, nurses, yes. social workers, not because uh, they don't have the intelligence, but just, these, are, these are more relational mm-hmm. um, professions and they just prefer them yep. from their very nature. Yep. They would say that this is primarily, um, not primarily learned, that's right. part of the biology, yeah. like from the very beginning. It's, it, you can see it because yeah. of the studies that have been done. This is not something like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we treat males like male. I treat female males like female. Yes. No, this is actually a part of their very biology and how they act. Way more nature than nurture, if, it, if there's any nurture at all. He does say that male brains are structured to facilitate connectivity between perception and coordinated actions, where female brains are designated to facilitate communication between analytical yeah. and intuitive processing. And I got all these to say, which kind of as we focus through these, is um, – that they, what is his focus? His focus is the male brain and the female mm-hmm. brain are different. And, and so from the very beginning, the nature of the male brain, every cell is different. Yeah. The way it acts, the way it interacts, yeah. it's different. And this is important, you know, for their sex differentiation and they're important for what their their role in society is. Yeah. Um it reminds me of something that 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 you and I read this past summer, but um there's this there's this really terrible trend to to think of human beings like computers uh, um, where where you can just sort of like rewire it you know what I mean or like um, and, and we use these we use these like like technological and, and computer languages to, to talk about humans and 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 human beings aren't computers uh, like the brain the male brain is actually um, just different the way it is structured the way it works like you can't just change that by reprogramming it like it from go the way it has been designed the way that like the, the testosterone comes and, and changes all of that so like like men and women are just different they're not they're not just this like blank canvas that we can do whatever we want with that that the, what the the work the material that we work with from the beginning is just different and i think that's really really important because i think we can think of being human as sort of this this blank slate canvas and not recognize that like just the biology of our brains, every cell is actually different. Um, but then he moves on to get to nurture in the mm-hmm. next section, family influence. Mm-hmm. And really, and he's going to go through and talk about the influence we have from our parents that help us become male and female. Yeah. That, you know, the father is going to model, you know, maleness for, and then the, the mother's going to model femaleness. And they're going to do this. They're going to teach. And he goes through these different terms about, you know, modeling and scaffolding and reinforcement and gender policing and all these different aspects yeah. all of which to make his point that that the, the, the mother and father are trying to uh, are there have this role of influencing and the child's response is to basically to say well what's going to happen if i cry mm-hmm. right if i cry right what, what what's the response and and as mom and dad 
respond appropriately to a child who's in need, they begin to grow with secure attachments to their parents. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and they do that as male and as female. And, and dad's role in, in, in comforting you when you cry and mom's role is comforting when you cry and how they do it and the way they do it helps me to grow secure attachments with mom, secure attachment with dad and know, okay, well, if I'm going through this, you know, um, this is how my parents can respond. This is what I'm going to get, et cetera. And these secure attachments are so yeah. important. Yeah. He, he, I don't think he could, I don't think he could overemphasize right. how important they are. That, that a child needs these secure attachments with their yeah. parents because these secure attachments will affect every other relationship that they have yeah. because they're learning and they're being modeled what it is to be male, what it is to be female, what it is to be mother, what it is to be father, what it is yeah. to be man, what it is to be woman from their parents. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be really interested in like having having someone come in and talk to us just about attachments, you know what I mean, and how that affects us. But um, but what I what I found so interesting about like this this nature part is that like it is observable that that we do treat boys and girls differently. Um, and and I think we might I think we, we might be tempted to say like in our in our culture and society like, well, that's not right. Like you should just treat them the same, um, and and don't and don't like move girls in one direction or move boys and girls in a different direction. But, but I think you have to treat boys and girls differently. And one of the things he says is that, that for example, um, researchers have observed that the parents are more tolerant of anger in boys. Um, and, and, and they talk with boys more about anger. Um, and it's because there's all this testosterone in the male brain um, and boys are more prone to, to to rough and tumble play and they're more prone to violence. And so like, if you're not talking to boys about how to, about their anger, because boys, when they're angry, that, that'll tend to be more violent. Um, and so you have to talk to them more about that and how to control that and what to do with that anger and, and all of these things. And so because of, because of the fact that the biology is different, that, that it is okay that we treat them differently. They need different things from us because of just the way that their brains are made. And I think the temptation is to say, no, 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 just treat them the same. Don't talk about boys about anger, you know, talk to them about like other emotions that are equal with girls and things like that. And that's just not helpful for that full maturation of the masculine and the feminine. There's this a doctor in Harvard who basically was talking about a study who she would never do, but if she said, if you, if I could do this study, I would, uh, just to prove a point to parents, mm-hmm. I would take a hundred boy, boy, baby boys who just yeah. been born, a hundred female babies who just been born and cut off the penises of the boys and stick them on the girls. Yeah. And so that people think that this is a boy, yeah. the girl with the XX chromosome. Yeah. And they think it's a girl, the boy, the, the boy with the XY chromosome, right? So it's all you've done is you've you've put the right. you've moved the, the, the anatomy different. Part, yeah. The anatomy. Um and what she says is, um, at the age of five, you're gonna see those boys roughhousing and mm-hmm. playing. Uh, together, like telling in the mud, playing baseball, et cetera, yep, yep. And, and those girls playing with dolls, mm-hmm. despite how people are treating them, you're dressing right. like boys, et cetera, right. because the the nature the the nature of this is yes. so deeply ingrained in who you mm-hmm. are. It doesn't matter how you nurture them; it's a part of the very biology right. and factor. Yep. Yep. And I think we're we're like, well, we could just treat them differently. It's like, well, again, testosterone, estrogen; mm-hmm. these are powerful chemicals. No, for sure, that affect yeah. us, yeah. and they, they we have to respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. And which which goes into our next section: the development of gender identity. Yeah, and he basically um, he says first at the very beginning. Um, so he, the gender identity is one's perception of, of and attitudes about oneself in regard to maleness and femaleness. Mm-hmm. He says nearly all children can correctly label themselves as boys or girls by around the age of three, yeah. and understand by the time they reach kindergarten that this is a permanent yeah. attribute. Mm-hmm. So kids are sure they know from that age what they are, mm-hmm. but here's the issue: uh, and, they, and, and when they feel 
same gender uh, typica- typicality. Yeah. Um, which means basically like I understand my gender. Yeah. And I can relate to my gender. And like I understand like it, there's this faint feeling of who I am mm-hmm. and security in that. You have higher self-esteem, less depression, better peer relations, and more pro-social behavior. You feel secure in relationship with your yeah. parents and peers because you understand your biological sex, who mm-hmm. you are. And they know from that very early age mm-hmm. despite how they're being treated. Right. When they when they have this um, when the dysphoria yeah. um, that that erupts and they they have this um, this struggle and you'd even say that a lot of this is due to insecure attachments with the parents. It's seventy three percent of gender yeah. dysphoria adults show evidence of insecure attachments. Yeah. Um, and uh, and there we see the ill effects of this where they don't have the high self esteem, mm-hmm. they don't have the um, the social interaction, etc. Because they they haven't been proper they don't properly understand who they are in relationship to their sex yeah. which is very sad there's a lot of reasons talk about trauma and there's mm-hmm. reasons for that and mm-hmm. i don't want to show great sympathy but mm-hmm. the reality is there is a dysphoria happening there because they they're not understanding who they are in their maleness as men or their femaleness as women and that's affecting all their relationships yeah he he is he is careful to say that that it doesn't prove causality but there is a there's a just this undeniable correlation between uh, the dysphoria that someone experiences and, and their attachments. Um, and he's just very careful to say that there are so many factors in, in developing one's sexuality and one's sexual identity. And he kind of talks about like this cascading where they, where one flows under the other, one flows under the other, and they kind of like can flow back on one another. And so it is, it is such a complex reality. Um, but um, of course, this most fundamental relationship with 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 mom and dad um, is going to play uh, a very powerful role in 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 helping someone either experience um, secure in their their male and femaleness or or helping them through um, the ways in which they might not feel typically male or typically female um, and so that's just so so important. Yeah. All right, we're going to fly for a little bit. We've got uh, the next section, teachers and peers, just again, uh, focused really on boys need to hang out with boys, girls need to hang out with the boys. Yeah. And there's something about that that shows you great attachment. You did talk about the next section, puberty, and how there there is something about how girls going through puberty is a little bit more difficult, especially because yeah. sometimes one girl will go through puberty a little bit before mm-hmm. other girls. And um, that actually puts her outside the group. Yeah. And so she's a little bit like the other girls don't hang out with her as much. Whereas yeah. the first boy to go through puberty, all the other boys look up to. Yeah, for sure. So there's this just different yeah. how their peer group, mm-hmm. which actually is interesting. Your peer group affects yes. uh, how you deal with puberty. Yeah. So you might, so, that, so, so I think that's really important to say because like for, for women, like going through, for girls who are going through puberty, like all of a sudden, like being a woman, being a girl is now an uncomfortable thing. Um, and even just the changes that happens in the body and, and developing a menstrual cycle and things like that, 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 that can be very hard. And so like, um, they might want to avoid that, you know I mean? That could be a reason why, like in my peers, I'm now ostracized. And so, um, I might not want to identify as a woman. It might be easier if I was a boy, you know what I mean? So just to kind of recognize that, that this is a very traumatic moment. And so just to be sensitive to that. Yeah. He gets into the sexual differences in adulthood. Really fascinating. He talks about how. Um, like the male brain and the female brain. And even when men are, and women are doing the exact same task, mm-hmm. it looks out from, from the outside, they've done brain scans and the part of the brain that men are using and the part of the brain that women are using will be different. Yes. Um, which just shows from the very biology of yes. who we are, yeah. how we focus in on tasks, how we do things is all, it's all 
relative to who we are as men, mm-hmm. who we are as female. Yeah. And so it's not like, oh, well, you know, Bob and Susan, they're doing the same things. They're, they're, they're the same person. Mm-hmm. Bob can be Susan, Susan can be Bob. It's like, no, no, no. Even though the same task, a different part of the brain is being used. We're not computers who are just going to do the task in some like automated way. You know, the, our, our maleness and our femaleness are just going to be a part of how we do these things. Um, and then he goes through a lot about, you know, it, the, what it means to be a male, what it means to be female. Like, Hey, he's like, Hey, men are more aggressive. 95% of homicides yes. are committed by males. Yes. There's something about being male. And even the women, victims of homicides are victims, predominantly are male. male. Mm-hmm. Women tend to be more gregarious and tender minded. It's just, yep. there's these, there's these part of who we are. And then he goes in this fascinating part about religion. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Um, women tend to be more religious than men. But it depends on what how you define religiosity. That, yeah. that women are more, have more personal relationship with God and this understanding of this connectedness and prayer, etc. Where men have much more the external anything where there's the focus on the external aspects of religion, doing justice, doing the tasks. Mm-hmm. It's much more of a male role. Yeah. Um, and so this kind of shows us for our church, like women mm-hmm. want to do more things that have relationship with God, yeah. activity, etc. Men want to do more action based yeah. work for the sake of God. Even the scriptures tell us, St. Paul tells us, you know, men try to please God, you know, by what the actions that they're doing, mm-hmm. they try to please God by, uh, through their heart, yeah. through their love. Um, and then- I just uh, say that's okay, that that's yeah. good. You know what I mean? That like, um, that we need both of those things for, for a healthy spiritual life. And then to get into our conclusion, um, yeah. kind of to fast forward a little bit, just because of time. Sure. Um, he gets into the, this main on uh, uh, 171, it kind of concludes in the meaning of sexual difference. He says, this broadened vision helps us to see that the ultimate meaning of the sexual difference, that is the ultimate purpose of maleness and femaleness is fatherhood and motherhood, mm-hmm. not merely in the act of reproduction, but in the full sense of a vocation. Mm-hmm. And I know we had to fast forward to some stuff that really gets him to this point uh, because he does talk about how, you know, as male, as father, we talked about the protector, the, the aggressive, mm-hmm. the testosterone mm-hmm. that affect how you father. And, and, and both boys and girls need that in their mm-hmm. lives. And then the mother with the nurturing and how she comforts mm-hmm. um, with her, with the way her brain acts, um, that, that, that both boys and girls need that from their mother and mm-hmm. secure attachments and how secure attachments with the dad and what it means to be, to receive this type of love from mother and father, that male as male being man in, as a father affects the children and the children need that. Yeah. And woman as female being mother that affects, and, and so he's, he's he's making this this point, this really beautiful point that the ultimate purpose of your maleness is expressed in your fatherhood, mm-hmm. and the ultimate purpose of your femaleness is expressed in your motherhood, not just in the act, the sexual act, mm-hmm. as we talked about last time, not in just biology, reproduction, which is reproduction, but in the vocation of motherhood and yeah. fatherhood. Yeah, I think I, I think like a really really helpful distinction is I think sometimes we can try to talk about like what are the differences between and a man and a woman and like. The temptation is to assign like particular tasks to men and particular tasks to women. And like, that's just too simplistic. Um, it's just, it just doesn't take into account the whole person. Obviously there are women who who are interested in, in, in predominantly masculine things and, and men who are interested in predominantly like maybe female things. But, but the, the point that we're making that like, when you do the same task, you do them differently. And so both mom and dad protect. But the way dad protects is in a masculine way and the way mom protects is in a feminine way. Um, And both mom and dad nurture 
and, and are tender and care for the child. But mom does it in a feminine way and dad does it in a masculine way. And, and we need both of those things. Um, we, we need the feminine and the masculine protection. We need the masculine and feminine care that, 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 that it's the whole person, the, the whole demonstration of a human nature. And a child needs both mom and dad to, to see all of it. Um, so I just think that's, I think that's just important not to, not to like reduce the tasks to genders, but the way you do the task is always going to be masculine or feminine. Um, a friends who really, um, sadly their f- five and seven year old daughter went out, we're walking the dog and it's some woods behind their house and they got lost mm. in the woods, um, for hours. Um, and so it was a police search, helicopters, you know, hundreds of volunteers yeah. happened this past week and they're out searching for these kids. Wow. Right. Um, and of course, mom and dad totally distressed for and asking for prayers, you know, getting yeah. the train going. I got the text, et cetera. And, uh, and finally, like the helicopter sparts the dog, this golden retriever out in the, like bark, bark in the, in the woods. How beautiful. Like the police come up, the, the coach was like growling at them. Like, I'm going to protect these little dogs. Mm-hmm. And we're just like scared in yeah. the woods. They get picked up by the police to get brought back. And then I saw the video, right? Cause I got sent the video of mm-hmm. uh, the children, like reenacting mom and dad. They're in the police car. They get them out of the woods. They're back to mom and dad's house. They drop them off. And little girls see mom and just run up to her. And she like bends down. And like the ones, uh, the older one gets there first and jumps into her arms. She like embraces her. The other one comes up, mom kind of like, and then dad, comes and like hugs all of them. Yeah. Like, just like, like, sh- like mom's like, in, like this, this beautiful, like, yeah. just embrace of these children. Yeah. And dad's like embracing all three of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the one I'm just like crying. <laughs> but um, I, it was just, I just saw that yeah. in this beautiful role of, mm-hmm. of motherhood and fatherhood mm-hmm. in male and female and what they're doing in that moment. The mom is like, oh my goodness, my girls have been scared in the woods. Like, I feel like a terrible mother. Yeah. Like, I can't believe they're lost and I just need to nurture them and care for mm-hmm. them and like just hold them. Like, I need to hold one and then hold the other and then hold the other one and mm-hmm. then hold the other one. Like, I wish I had four arms to hold mm-hmm. them, hold both of them. And dad's like, I just got to hold, like, I'm here to protect. Yeah. Like, I'm going to like encircle you in my, yeah. my, arms and care for this family and i'm just gonna embrace all yeah. of you and hold you all um because I'm, i feel like i wasn't a good father by not protecting it's just, just all these like these beautiful roles yeah so that beautiful. the daughters needed that moment mm-hmm. they needed that individual personal hug from mom and they're like that group hug from yeah dad, so beautiful um to embrace yeah. them in that yeah. moment that's right and this is why you know the church is just so strong on the importance of the family the nuclear family and and just recognizing just the the fundamental rights of, of a child has to a mother and a father. Um, Cause we need both. We need both. We need the way women do things. We need the way men do things. How beautiful. Can you believe we're out of time? Yeah, um, we flew. We flew. Um, so we are going to pick up next week with chapter four, the chapter before we started the book that I was most excited about um, are men and women interchangeable transgender surgery and care for the self-identified transgender mm-hmm. person. Um, I'm reading along with us, so I've not read that, but I'm looking forward to reading it this yeah, week. And no, it's going to be great. Talking to all of you next week about it. Um, you know, uh, Father Peter Teresa, yes. it's time for that beautiful question. I'm ready. That we, that we come to. I've been, I've been on the bench for a while, but I'm ready. Yeah. And, and I think we just, you know, we're talking about psychology here. We're mm-hmm. talking about the brain. You know, we're talking about motherhood, fatherhood, love, care, concern. Um, and I just, I, I want to just go back to the memory lane. Okay. In memory lane. Is oh there maybe a, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tom and Lisa are ready. Yeah. I just want to talk about just maybe a moment, a touching moment from your from your childhood, something where you really remember oh, gosh. you know, mom and dad. Um it can be individually or but fulfilling the role as mom and the role as dad. It can be 
simple, it can be profound, it can be whatever. Just when you saw mom in her femaleness being expressed in motherhood and dad expressing his manhood, his maleness and fatherhood. I don't know if Tom and Lisa are ready for this, but uh, so the two things immediately come to mind. Uh, One, I was getting ready. I don't remember if I was getting ready to go into kindergarten or first grade, but uh, it was an August night getting ready to go into the school year and my mom wanted to teach me how to tie my shoes. And I just remember like that we were like lying in a hammock in the backyard and she taught me how to tie my shoes and just her like excitement and her pride and her joy and her, just her love for me, like, um, and just this extremely maternal way, um, was just really, really beautiful, really, really impactful. And then I was in like seventh grade. I just told the story in a homily in Detroit and we were getting ready to play this school and like the rumors were circulating in homeroom that like this other team had this like behemoth of a man, someone who went through puberty before the rest of us did, you know what I mean? Like, and uh, he had hairy legs and a mustache and like, and he was huge and like, and I was just like, I was like scared that this dude was gonna like run me over and break me in half, you know what I mean? And like, I was visibly scared in the car. I remember my dad just kind of stopping but and just kind of like, just encouraging me and just kind of pulling out some, the whatever little bravery I had to go play this football game. And, and, uh, and I just remember him kind of just helping me and making me do it. You know what I mean? Like not turning the car around and saying like, you know what, you don't have to play this game being like, no, like you're part of this team. Yeah. This kid's huge. He might like run you over and break you in half, but like, you're going to be okay. You're going to do this. It'll be hard. And, uh, and he didn't say it those, those ways, but just the way he encouraged me and it made me face a fear. Um, I still remember, you know what I mean? Cause I was, I was, I was afraid of that kid, man. I was, I'm still afraid of him right now, you know? So, but those are two ways in which I remember mom and dad just kind of loving and being with me off the top of my head. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, one for dad, I, I've told the story before. So I have to think I've to tell too, but yeah. like I, in the summertime, I remember I was like going to eighth grade, going to freshman or something where I didn't have a job yet. And so yeah. I was like sitting at home, you know, playing video games, doing nothing all day. And, uh, <laughs> but I remember like, I waited for dad to get home to like throw the football with him. Mm. And I'm sure he was exhausted. Right. Well, hungry. Yeah. Like what, ready for dinner. And I'd be like, dad, you want to throw the football? Like every single day, right? Cause it was summertime football season's coming up. want to get ready. And, uh, and he would almost every day, mm-hmm. you know, come back and be like, yeah. And just wait, half an hour, you know, just throw mm-hmm. the football to me. And, uh, and it was just member, a lot of just really beautiful memories. And, uh, I mean, I was you know, a very good receiver, um, because of that. Knowing your dad a little bit, I'm going to guess that he was looking forward to that just as much as you in <laughs> his day. You know probably. what I mean? Coming home and throwing, throwing with his son yeah. was probably the best part of his day as well. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, mom, I, I want to say it was, you know, I was, when I, I transferred schools from fourth grade to fifth grade and I was struggling because I never had to study before. Mm. And, uh, I went to a much harder school. I actually had to study and do homework. I never actually learned how to do homework <laughs> or yeah. to study. Yeah. And so I would just always had just gotten by on natural intelligence. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh wait, like, I don't know how to study. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like, I've just showed up and taken tests before. I've never actually like studied for tests. I've never actually like, I just finished the homework and not actually like give much effort. Like, and I didn't know how to study. And my mom sat with me every day after school. Mm. Cause I got my record card after the first quarter and it, was, it wasn't so good. Yeah. And uh, my mom <laughs> sat with me after school every day and helped me do my homework, yeah. taught me how to study. Yeah. Like it just kind of nurtured me through that difficult time where I was like feeling really insecure about mm-hmm. those difficulties. So yeah, it's just mm-hmm. um, the beautiful aspect of mother. And here we are today. You know, yeah, the, thanks the be to God. The of, of mom yeah. and dad caring for us. Absolutely. 
So all right. blessed. Well, may God bless all of you, keep Amen. you. Have a wonderful Advent season. We're praying for you. And hopefully you will have a wonderful Christmas with your mom and dad if they're alive. If not, that you are mom and dad. Or that you're around people who who mother you and father you. Mm-hmm. And you need the mother and father in this time. Because not just physical, as we know, it's priests. Yes, that's right. It's also spiritual and that's emotional. Right. Yeah. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. And make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith. That's becomefire.faith. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.